Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's stand up. Let's just sit down, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> oh, Father, we honor you this morning. Honor you this morning. Can somebody help me sing this song? There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart. I'm not a singer. My daughter sings. I don't sing. <laughs> Just sing that song for a minute. There's none like you. statement. While we're singing the prophetic word came up in my spirit. I'm going to make a very strong statement. Let me say this to you right now. If you look at God from the Old Testament you'll be very disappointed. If your relationship with God is based on the Old Testament you'll be very annoyed. You'll be very disappointed. I'm going to talk to you this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Spirit of God, anoint every ear to hear a word today. Anoint every heart to receive your word today. Let your word find in us good ground. In Jesus' name. 
there's a spirit of anger that rose up in me right now. I'm going to teach from that place. I'm not angry with you at all. Not you. Amen. It's just angry at wrong teaching and things that have robbed us from enjoying the best of God. I bring greetings from my family, my wife, my children. Amen. They're sleeping. They're not watching, unfortunately. At six o'clock in the morning, or four o'clock in the morning right now in Atlanta, they're fast asleep. Amen. But I bring it from there, from my ministry, Fountain of Life International, from ministers that work with us, partner with us, and all the places God has given us opportunity to speak into. Thank you all for having me here today. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Paul in absentia. Thank you, Pastor Shadi, Pastor Uti. Uh, thank you. Thank you, all the pastors, ministers, leaders, everybody who is here. Thank you for coming. Amen. You passed different churches. You chose to come here this morning. So thank you for being here. Thank you for putting on your, your beautiful clothes and your nice dressing, looking attire with your smiles. And thank you for worship. Thank you for everything. Amen. I, I, I don't take it for granted that, I'm, you know, that I have the privilege to speak at places. I, I don't take it for granted. I don't care how much, you know, people, I, I always appreciate, always. So thank you for coming out this morning. Amen. Like I said to you something, if your relationship with God is based on the Old Testament, you're very disappointed. How many of you have read in the Bible where it says, the Lord killeth and the Lord maketh alive? You've seen that, right? How many of you have read things in the Bible that made you say, is this not confusing? Is this not conflicting? Have you read in the Bible? You see, let, let me say this to you. One of the things that God has done, which is a challenge we have, is that God has put fivefold ministries in the body of Christ to help us appreciate him better, understand him better, okay? If you go to an evangelist to teach you, you'll be confused. That's the mistake we make. We go to evangelists to teach us. Therefore, when they say some statements, it even gets us more confused. The person, and I'm not trying to exalt any office, please hear me clearly, the ministry gift God has called and given responsibility to explain things is called the teacher. It's called the teacher. If you go to a mechanic to do plumbing work for you, you'll be disappointed. If you look at a mechanic and a plumber, they use the same equipment, they use hammer, they use saw, they use the same things. Or let's say a plumber and a builder and a roofer, they use the same equipment, but they work differently. They are all in the construction industry. One person is a roofer, that person is a plumber. They use hammer, they use saw. But when the guy who is doing plumbing is hitting with hammer, he does not hit with all his might. If not, it will damage your whole bathroom. But the one doing the roofing, when they are knocking that nail into that roof, they are, I mean, pounding it. So here's what's happening in the body of Christ. We have questions about scripture. We go to the wrong person to explain it to us. When they now give us their explanation, we're now like, ah, uh-uh. Okay? Ah. <laughs> uh. mm. And the, the more we listen to people who are not gifted, who are not, when I say are not called with a certain anointing to minister to us, the more we get disappointed, the more we get confused. It's time for the body of Christ to wake up to this reality. It's fivefold. That's what builds the body together. If I want to be inspired and motivated and encouraged, guess who I go to? An evangelist. Get me fired up. Yeah. If I want someone to tell me, thus said the Lord, this is what God is saying. I go to a prophet. If you put the burden of interpreting, explaining the will of God accurately to a, on a teacher or, or, or evangelist and not the prophet, you'll be disappointed. 
<laughs> you'll be disappointed. I'm not exalting any officer. I'm just telling you knowing their role. So there are questions. For example, when you see the Lord kill it, the Lord make it alive, it sounds conflicting. It sounds conflicting. So what am I going to do? Somebody dies, what they say? The Lord took them. Ay, 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 ay. Have you heard that before? Have you heard that? God took them. That God knows in the future they might commit a sin that will make them backslide. So God took them. And when, it, and when we hear it, it sounds very religious and very nice. Oh, yeah. Very religious. Look at Jude 124. I'm, I'm going to go to, look at Jude 124. Look at Jude 124. Unless we answer these questions, they become obstacles. I'm not talking about removing the obstacles today. They become obstacles. Someone will come to the altar, you lay hands on them, you prophesy to them, yet they are not having anything happening. You wonder, ah, is it not the same church? Is it not the same place? Obstacles. Until we deal with these obstacles, these fundamental obstacles in people's lives, individual lives, okay, until we are willing to approach them and confront them, we will not get mileage. We'll not get a lot of results because these things are fundamental. You, after preaching and teaching, they will go home and they will still interpret their life, not from what you taught them because of those obstacles. Look at what it says here. Look at the scripture. Look at it. I didn't write this Bible says it. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless or blameless for the presence of his glory with exceeding great, and joy, great joy, exceeding uh, joy to the only wise God and keep going. Only wise God, the glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Go back to that verse 24 again. Look at it. it says, Who is able to keep you from falling? Oh, sometimes, somewhere in the future, they might commit some sin. This scripture knocks that religious thing out, knocks it, kicks it away from the place. That religious, oh, God, they, they might fall in the future, say, for God took them. Why? And the Bible says this. Now, when I speak about these things, listen, I have certain authority to speak about them. Not just from the word of God, but also from practical experience. I lost a young wife. So it's not, this is not just pastor teaching. I had the experience of losing a wife who was 33 years old. So it's not, this is not one of those, okay, he's just teaching the word. This example, I'm giving a practical example. God took them. So the question now becomes, what happened to my wife, for example? And this is not disrespectful of my wife's honor, of my wife's, you know, memory legacy. No, no. What happened to my wife? In the Old Testament, God did not introduce them to Satan. He did not. He did not introduce them to Satan. And so if I don't understand that Satan is in the situation or around somewhere, then I will blame God all the time. I'll be bitter against God. There are people who are coming to church and the present worship, they are not dancing. They're just probably just moving a little bit with their face strong. And you wonder why? Because they are bitter against God. Some of us here, probably are angry with God. You're coming to church because you don't want lightning to strike you. Maybe God will somehow, you know, it will, somehow God will show you a little bit of mercy, but you are angry. Inside your mind, you are angry. You are disappointed because you are serving the God of the Old Testament. That God of the Old Testament, he is to blame for everything. When you serve God of the Old Testament, you blame him for everything. Okay? I said something the first time, I'll say it again. In this life, there are four entities you have to deal with all the time. Four entities. Please, this, what I'm sharing now, please, I want to, um, you know, I'm going to show you scripture. Four entities, four entities. Number one, God. In every problem, there's a God factor you have to deal with. Every situation, sorry. Number two, Satan. Number three, other people. Number four, yourself. Four, those four entities are always involved. 
always involved. In the Old Testament, God did not show them Satan. Why? They were spiritually dead. And because they were spiritually dead, there was no need to burden them with that. No need to burden them with that. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Okay, you're all adults here. Now, when, think about it. Is your relationship with your father the same as when you were a child? It's not. When you were a child, you thought your daddy was Superman or your mom was Superman, Superwoman. As you grew up, you now realized, as you became an adult, that they just made certain adjustments and accommodations for you and for things to make it happen. Your perception changed. Your parents did not necessarily change per se, but your perception changed because you grew up. Okay? In the Old Testament, people were spiritually dead. The Bible says Abraham longed to see our day. Abraham, as much as we Abraham, he wishes he lived in this time. Because in their time, they, they, did not, they were not spiritually alive. They spiritually dead. So what did God do? God did not introduce Satan to them. So God took the blame for everything. So when evil happens, it is God. When good happens, it's God. Because there was no, God did not introduce them to Satan. Let me give you an example, practical example. When my kids were younger, when I go to the, um, when I say I have no money, they say, Daddy, you have money. I said, what do you mean? He said, Dad, that's your card, my bank card. That card, that's the key. I said, what do you mean? He said, when you go to the, if you want money now, we drive to the bank, you put that money in, boom, my money will come out. So in my children's mind, the key to having money is the card. If I don't have money, it's because I'm not using the card. They're now older, they understand. If you don't put money in the account, if you put your card inside, hallelujah, <laughs> it will come out empty without anything. Okay? In the Old Testament, we assume that God was the problem. You put the card in, it's God. When that money comes, it's God. If good comes, oh, it's God. If it doesn't come, oh, it's the will of God. Anything that happens, it's the will of God. Someone dies, God took them. Something happens, it was not the will of God. But in New Testament, we understand. Look at John 10, 10. Look at New Testament. Remember, on the Mount of Transfiguration, what, did, what happened to Mount of Transfiguration? Mr. Elijah was there. Mr. Moses was there. Mr. Jesus was there. What did God say? This one is my beloved son. This one is my mouthpiece. This one is the one you should listen to. Hear ye him. Here is Moses. Here is Elijah. Huh? But this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Peter said, like many of us, hey, let us build three tabernacles. God said, no. <laughs> There's no tabernacle to build. This is the one. Let's equate Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. God said, no. This is the one. That's why Peter said, let's equate them. Let's build three tabernacles. God said, no. It's only one way. The Jesus way. Okay? If you go out right now, your shadow is not too long, but it's fat. If you come at one o'clock, your shadow is very skinny. It's skinny and long. So if you are trying to understand your person by your shadow, you are wasting your time. You look at the person. Jesus, is the, in the, full, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. He is the one we listen to. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. God has spoken to us in hundred times, and but now he speaks to us how? By his son. Tells us that Hebrews. He spoke to us before in sundry times by the prophets and all that. But now he's spoken to us by his son. The full expression of God. If I want to see the full expression of you, I don't look at your shadow. So if you look at the God of the Old Testament, trying to know God by Old Testament, you'll be disappointed. One day he's short. 
and fat. That day he's long and skinny. Sometimes you don't even see him at all. If you go to look at a shadow at night, you won't see it. So if you are going to look for God when things are hard, you will wonder where is God in all this because you are looking at shadow. It's time to look at God himself. Jesus is God in the flesh. He told Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. She came now. If you have seen me, it's over. So stop looking for me in the shadows, Old Testament. What did Moses say? What did I, I'm, listen, I'm, they, they are okay, their foundation. How many of, okay. How many of you have decorated your foundation before? How many of you have decorated your foundation? Do you decorate your foundation? Do you decorate your foundation? But it's there, right? Old Testament is a foundation. It's there. We decorate the New Testament. We build on what we see. Christ is the foundation. We are that rock that is built on Christ. We build on that. That's what we decorate. That's what we focus on. Thank God for Moses and Abraham. Thank God for Elijah. I'm not dismissing them. But I'm not building my life on them. I'm building my life on Jesus himself. If I look at the foundation, if you open, look, I've I've had the privilege of doing some work in my property. And when you look at the foundation, it's not clean. It's not nice. Foundation looks ugly. But if you come to my house, it is not ugly. The Old Testament, if you want to look at it and look at God, God is uh, not very nice. (laughs) Okay. Look at John 10. 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. If you look, that's King James. Modern English, the thief comes. Listen very carefully. In this life, Satan comes. Stop blaming God for what Satan is doing. He comes what to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Anything that steals your joy, tries to kill physically, and destroys is Satan, is the thief. Please listen. It is not God. It is not God. It is not God. My, my wife, God did not take her. It's not God. It's not God. It's not God. If I tell people this, the day I discovered that God took my wife, eh, personally, I will stop serving him. I'll burn my Bible and burn everything. You know why? Because I'd rather go to Babalao. At least I know what he does. But God, if I come to God, who is supposed to be my father who loves me, and he's like this, boju boju, I don't want to follow him now. Let us enter Babalao shrine and continue living that life. No. But I know God. Jesus said, the thief cometh not, but for two. He has an assignment. So when you see that assignment, don't call it God. You might not be able to explain it. You can say, I don't understand. I understand in the midst of emotional pain. I don't understand. But don't say God. Don't say God did it. Don't say God did it. Oh, if, so, okay. If God, if it was not God's will, why did it happen? That's a good argument, right? If, it was not, if God don't know about it, why did it happen? Okay, 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 okay. Let's 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 use scripture. Let's kind of let's use our mind of Christ and let's let's work on this a little bit. Okay, okay. Matthew eighteen eighteen. Let's work on it a little bit. Let's work on it a little bit. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And Luke eleven two. But let's look at Matthew eighteen eighteen. Let's work on this a little bit. It's not in my notes. What I'm teaching right now. I'm just going to flow with the Holy Ghost here. Let's let's work on this a little bit. Matthew eighteen eighteen. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Or shall be bound in heaven. Shall be bound. What does that mean? If you don't bind it, guess what? 
Heaven will not bind it. So who is the person in charge here? Me, right? He said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth is loose in heaven. If I don't bind it, heaven will not bind it. God, will, God loves you and honors you so much. God will not bind it for you. God will not bind it for you. He will teach you how to bind it. He will motivate you to bind it. But at the end of the day, it's going to be you left to do the work. If I don't bind it, heaven will not bind it. So I should not blame God. The thief cometh not. If I don't, okay, ah, yes, Lord. If I don't bind the thief, I cannot blame God for stealing. You see what I'm saying? The thief comes to steal. If I don't bind the thief, guess what? When he steals from me, I cannot blame God. Jesus said, if, if, if Jesus said uh, uh, that a strong man comes, it is you that can stop that strong man. If you don't stop that strong man, he will steal your goods or my goods, as the case may be. The devil comes to steal from us with wrong teaching. Wrong teaching allows Satan to steal from you. God is in control. God is in control. So guess what happens? When something is happening, you are not even sure if it's God. Ah. You don't know how dangerous that doctrine is. Okay, good example. God, somebody goes to a doctor. They get a wrong diagnosis. Guess what they say? If it was not the will of God, I would have not had it. So you now want to lay hands on them in church. How can you help that person? In their mind already, this cancer that they have, is God allowed it. You know what allow means? Allow means permit. You know what permit means? It means you consented. It means that I'm standing at this door. Someone wants to come in. I allowed them to come. That means I opened my door to them. So when I say God allowed something, I'm saying God consented. God permitted it. Hey, people, the God I serve does not allow sickness or disease. Does not permit. It's not his will. He's my father. He loved me too much. He gave Christ to die for it. How would he not allow it? So it's my job to bind it. If I have a medical diagnosis that is not the will of God, I know it's not God's will. Therefore, I come at it with ferociousness, with anger. I know this is not the will of God. I know this is not what my father's will for me is. Therefore, I will not permit it. I will bind. The word bind means to, means to, uh, 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 bind means to tie up, restrict. That means I will not allow you to operate anymore. I will not allow it. Whatever you lose means allow you to operate. So I am the key. Look at Matthew 16, verse 19. Matthew 16, verse 19. Matthew 16, verse 19. Look at it. I'll give unto you the keys of the kingdom, that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth shall be loose in heaven. The same scripture, but it, it, kind of, it gives us better context. Okay? What this? You have a car with keys. Your son comes and says, Daddy, can I drive your car? As long as you don't give your son the keys, he can't drive the car. Okay? If you give your son the keys, he can drive the car. You have a house. Son knocks on the door, press the bell. If you don't open the door, they will not come in. Okay? They will not come in. The thief cometh. He cometh. Pum, 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 pum. I've come with. And Satan is not going to tell you. He's going to demonstrate some symptoms around you. I've come with some coronavirus. You start feeling some symptoms. I had the coronavirus. I brought it home and I shared it with my family. <laughs> Everybody in my house got it. 
but we're all, I mean, two, three days, everybody was fine. Okay. Now, what I'm saying is that it knocks on the door with symptoms. Boom, 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 boom. Okay. It's up to me to open the door and keep it open. Okay. It's up to me to say, oh, I put that. I saw coronavirus. You gave me a slap, some symptom. I don't open the door fully. I say, come right in. The slap you gave me is enough. When it's coronavirus come and the temperature is, I say, oh, is this in a corona? I close the door quickly. But that little slap, I feel the sting of it for maybe one or two days and it's gone. It's me that determines if it's going to stay or if it's going to go. It's me that determines that. When I now tell my, my now carry the phone, listen to this. Many people were, were upset with my wife and I. You guys didn't tell us you had a coronavirus. Why would I tell you? The slap he gave me is enough. Right? I don't have to open that and tell all of you, I have coronavirus, then that means it's not going to come in full time. So me and we close the door and say, this slap, we'll deal with this slap. You know, when we dealt with it, two, three days was gone. We told people we had the coronavirus and we're healed from it. Okay, the point I'm trying to make to you is this: what if, he said he has given the keys. Keys. That means you are in control. That means you are in control. Four personalities: God. The Bible says, "If God be for you," or actually, it's, it's a rhetorical question. When God is for you, who can be against you? When God is for you. That means God is not against you. Anything that comes against you is not God. Let me ask you a question. Is sickness coming for your good? Is poverty coming for your good? It's not. Is shame and disgrace coming for your good? No, it's not. Therefore, it is not God. So remove that obstacle that you know, God will allow something to come to me. Remove that obstacle. Remove that obstacle. I can't give you what I don't have. I can't give it. In heaven, there's no sickness. Have you read about the sickness in heaven? Therefore, it can't come from it can't come from there. In Isaiah 8, it says that God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. And it says, So does my word come from heaven, like rain. Heaven does not have sickness. So there's no rain, sickness coming from heaven. It's not coming from heaven. It's not God allowing it or God permitting it. Remove that from your mind. It's not God permitting it. Oh, yeah, uh, God knows about it. Uh, okay, God has given you the authority. He's giving you the keys. He can't force his blessing on you. He can't force it on you. He's giving you all that it takes for life and godliness. He's giving you all the tools you need to deal with these issues in life. He's not going to do it for you. If, he, if God does it for you, then he should do it for everybody else. There should nobody seek. I mean, everybody should be jumping up well without their, inter- without their own uh, participation. What makes you think you're so special? That God will just come and do it for you and not do it for the next person. You're special, of course, but he has done it for you in Christ. Has given you the keys. Keys. That's the highest form of authority. Keys. Are you hearing me? If you give me keys, that means ownership. Are you hearing me? It means ownership. That's the high. If I just open my door to you, you don't have keys yet. You can enjoy, but after I guess, I say... Time to go. Odabo. Bye. See you later. Next time. Because you don't have keys. But if you have keys, guess what? You can come in anytime you want to. Are you hearing me? The blessings of God belong to you. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at your hand. It's at hand. That means it's for you to take it. It's at hand means it's here. Not just close to you. It's at hand. Take it. That's what it means. The keys are yours. Take it. Take it. I will give it to you. Take it. And of course, this was before the cross. And when the cross now happened, the keys were no longer I will. It was now yours. Behold, I said before you an open door. Why? You have keys. 
You have keys. Just, just said in Revelation, I said before an open door. Why? You have keys now. You can enter any time. You can enter any time. You can enter any time. God, Satan. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 19 through 21. Ephesians 1, 19 through 21. There are many scriptures. I, don't know, I just want to look at this one. There's a reason why it cannot build something. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, keep going, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Pause there for a minute. Pause, go back to that verse. The Bible says we are seated at the right side of God. So I'm trying to see where you are. Positionally speaking, you and Jesus are occupying the same place, quote unquote, in God's perspective. At the right hand of God, highest place of authority, you are stood there with Christ. It's like, you know, uh, uh, let me try and describe it. You know, you, know, you know chairs that are fused? Chairs that are fused? If you move one chair, guess what happens? All the chairs move. That's how it is with you and God. The Bible says you are stood with Christ at the right hand of God in heavenly places. That means the way God sees you is how he sees Christ. Okay? Will God allow sickness to come to Christ? Answer me. Will God allow poverty to come to Christ? No. But let me say this to you. Do you know poverty came to Christ? Someone said, Pastor, how? When they went and there were thousands of people, only two fish and five loaves. Poverty came to Christ. Yeah. We don't, we don't read some of this sometimes. Sickness came to Christ. Okay? Because remember, the apostles were Jesus' staff. He goes to Peter's house and Peter's mother-in-law was sick. That means sickness came to visit the staff of Jesus Christ. He did not say, oh, Bele, oh, sorry, how long has he been? Oh, he didn't do all that stuff we, we, we tend to do. And there's nothing wrong with being humanitarian, being, you know, nothing wrong with that. But Jesus laid hands on her and she got healed. Okay? He took the fish and five loaves and he multiplied and fed people. Even there was a time that death came to Christ. It's time to pay taxes. Peter said there's no money for tax. So I'm saying to you that these things came to Jesus. The thief cometh. <laughs> As long as Jesus was on the earth here, Satan came to tempt him. Not just only the three temptations, but to tempt him when his best friend, Lazarus, died. Satan came to Jesus. He came to Jesus, but Jesus said no. He slammed the door in his face. He didn't allow him to come in there. Slammed the door in his face. Okay? So the Bible says that which he wrought a Christ when he raised him from the dead and said in his own right hand in heavenly places. Keep going. What does, remember I told you I slept with him far above all principality and power, my dominion, every name that's named, not in this world, but that which will come. Keep going. Put all things under his feet. Gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Put all things and gave everything to the church. A man gets married, his wife has a bank account, can touch the money, can give all things to the church. The same far above the church. That's you. That's you. Far above principality and power. You are far above the devil. Far above, far above, not just under your feet, far above, far above. You've been taken from the kingdom of darkness, you are now in the kingdom of dear son. You are far above, free from every generational curse, amen. Because you are now in Christ, you are in the Christ generation. Who shall declare his generation? That's you. You are in his generation. You are the one called to show the generation of Christ. You are not in any generational curse, you are far above, far above. Far above. There's no enchantment against you. There's no division, divination against you. 
There is none because the shout of the king, the name of the king is your name. That's what he's talking about there. There's no enchantment. There's no divination because you are now in Christ. Hallelujah. You are in Christ. You are in Christ. There's no enchantment, no witchcraft against you, no divination against you. No, none, because you are in Christ. There's no curse in Christ. There's no hex in Christ. You are in Christ. You are in Christ. You are in Christ. You are far above. Far above. Okay? Other people. Let's, let's consider the story of Jairus. Here comes Jesus. On his way, Mr. Jairus says, Jesus, my daughter is sick. Come lay hands on her. She will live. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, okay, I'm coming. He begins to go. Woman on the show of blood gets healed. Praise God. They're on their way going to tell Jairus, don't disturb the master anymore. People, people, if you listen to people, you will miss God. No, I'm not saying you will. You might miss God. Depends who you're listening to. <laughs> they tell them, oh, the daughter is dead. Don't trouble the master. Jesus immediately tells, immediately tells Jairus, don't be afraid. Only believe. What's he saying? Don't listen to them. Listen to your faith. What they say was fear. They told Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the master anymore. He just said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Fear comes by information. When they told him, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the master. Fear grips the man. That's what fear does. Those words bring fear. But only believe. What's believe? Believe what you said. I'm going to lay hands on her. She shall heal. They get to the house. The family members were crying. Just says, she's not dead. She's only sleeping. The same people began to mock. Same people. What did Jesus do? Shut them out. If you want to follow God into all that God has for you, you need to shut down, shut your ears to unbelief. Shut your ears to mockers, even if they're your family members. Even if they're your parents. <laughs> even if they're your siblings. Hallelujah. Yeah. You need to shut your ears to them. God's word has to be so real to you that your family members, friends, or whatever it is, what they say that's contrary cannot negate what God told you. Please, hear, hear me out. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we don't, read, we don't understand the drama of scripture. Okay? Jewish families are very close. They're very close people. So Jairus' family, were close to Jairus. Very close to him. So when they said to him, this man is a joker. He said the girl is dead. Where is, is I sleeping? We know the girl is dead. Family members who love the girl and love Jairus said that. Jesus kicked them out. If you want to receive the greater works of Jesus, you've got to learn to kick out unbelief, kick out doubt, kick out fear, kick out those things, and kick out the people who peddled them to you. I told you there are four people. God, Satan, others, others, and yourself. It comes down to self now. Let's look at Mark chapter 6. Let's remove those obstacles. Mark 6 from verse 1. Obstacles come to stop you, slow you down, or derail you. You know, somebody started out doing something, they hit an obstacle, that they, you know, there's obstacle of the past also. Of the past. Some people are not married today because every time they want to, they meet a man or a woman, they remember their last boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh, all men are as come. All women are, what's your money? Whatever it is. 
So they, that becomes an obstacle. It becomes an obstacle for them. Their past pain, their past rejection, their past whatever, defeat, becomes an obstacle. You know what Paul said about the past? Paul said, my past is like dung. You know what dung is? Fertilizer. Your past should not be, should not be an obstacle. It should be fertilizer. <laughs> fertilizer. So you grow in the future. All right, I'm not going to go there. That's a, that's a whole different teaching. I, I'm not going to go. Mark chapter 6, let's go. From verse 1. Mark chapter 6 from verse 1. Let's go there, please. It says, and when he w- went out from thence, uh, he came unto his own country, his hometown, village, and his disciples followed him. Now, think about it. When you're going to a village, what do you do? That's where you want to shine. You know, Christmas time, people from the east, oh my goodness, they're going for Christmas. Igbo people. Igbo kwenu. Yeah. Ah, Christmas time, the Igbo man. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Uh, a bottle of water costs five naira in Christmas time. Ten naira for a bottle of water in the east. This is that they know. <laughs> and when the Sabbath was come, he went about, uh, began to teach in the synagogue. And many, were hear- many hearing were astonished, saying, from whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is that which is given unto him that if such mighty works are wrought by his hand? Notice what it said. The Bible says he went to the synagogue teaching. He was teaching in a public place. Synagogue is a public place. It's like coming to church. Everybody's hearing the word. Okay? Then look at the next verse. Next verse. And uh, uh, is, is this not the carpenter, son of Mary, brother of James, Joseph, Judah, Simon, and all his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. The word offended means to put a stop. Off, look at those words. Off end. Off end. You are going somewhere. Off ended. Listen, in your personal life, that's you and I, there are things that if you don't deal with them, they will offend you. They will stop you from getting your destination. They are designed to off end. You know what an end is? Destination. Off. You go off track. That's an obstacle. So there, 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 are, there, are, uh, uh, there are mindsets. There are things in our mind, our, our background, our family structure, and all that stuff. Things in our past that are designed by Satan to offend us, to make us not arrive at our destination. And we need to deal with them. We need to personally deal with them. Let's go. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, offended at him. Okay. Uh, uh, look at the consequence of the offense. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor in his own hometown. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Look, look at the, look at the, look at the, the consequence of offense. He could dare do no mighty work, save that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. So the consequence of the offense was that they could not even receive. They could not receive mighty works. Offense will make you not get the mighty breakthroughs. You might get a little headache healed, a little bit of mercy, mercy blessings here and there, but not the big things because that's what offense does. Offense makes you not enjoy the very best of God. And we need to deal with ourselves. We need to deal with ourselves. I, I, I said, I, I know people, I know people who, women who, if somebody's having a wedding, they don't go. Why? I'm single. They allow the bitterness of their own experience in order from celebrating their brother or sister. Instead of going there to, by faith, saying, I'm going to celebrate with them because, you know, when I, he who waters shall what? Be watered also. If I sow in somebody's wedding, guess what? Mine too is coming. But they get offended by their own bad experience, and that hinders them from enjoying what could happen to them in the future. Keep going. And they marveled at what? Because of their unbelief. It started from personal opinion. Is that not Jesus? We know him. We always affect what that is stream before. We used to play ball. We used to put stone and play ball on the street. Now look at him. Now he thinks he's now living in a whatever, Banana Village or somewhere. I don't know where you guys call them places. He's now living somewhere in them 
place they built where they had the barbage. He's not living there now. He thinks better than all of us. Look at him. He's now preaching. He thinks he's, he's not this super spiritual man. So those things become offenses that hinder you from receiving from that person. Opportunities that God could have brought your way. You kill the opportunities. I have the story of somebody who, somebody came from, uh, from uh, London or China or somewhere and was interested in them and the person ended up, their marriage did not work. Therefore, somebody is trying to approach you now. You say, ah, I know all these men that come from China. You lose your own opportunity. You allow the offense of somebody else's situation to affect you. So what did Jesus do to counter this, this obstacle? The Bible says he went around about the villages teaching. Remember in the first verse, he went to the temple, synagogue to preach. Now, he now went to the villages. The villages are subsets of the synagogue. Church is like the village, is like the synagogue. Villages is like you, my personal life. Where are those places where there's obstacles? Where are those places where there's unbelief and doubt in my life? I need teaching. Okay? Now, what is teaching? Let's define teaching. Let's define teaching. Teaching is a systematic information designed to answer questions, to show process, and empower you to, replay, to replicate the system. I'll say it again. Teaching is systematic information designed to answer questions and show process and empower you to replicate the system. So when I'm taught now, properly taught, here's what I'm going to do. Anywhere I go, I can replicate it. I can do it, whether it's in Kafanchan or in Sokoto or in Guadalajara, wherever it is, wherever I am, around the world, here, wherever, I can replicate this Ekiti, wherever I am, you know, Uyo, wherever you are, you know, you can replicate the system because you are taught. Because what teaching does, look at the scripture also. Look at Daniel chapter 5, verse 12 and 14. Daniel chapter 12, 12 and 14. Daniel 5, 12 and 14. Daniel 5, 12 and 14. I'm about done. About 5, 10 minutes, I'll be, I'll be done. It says that for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, you see that knowledge, understanding, interpreting of dreams, showing of hard sentences, and dissolving of doubts. That's what teaching does. Good teaching, when you as a person now, when I say, I don't mean going to to teach you, I'm talking about you applying yourself to God, allowing God to teach you from the word. You taking tips and, you know, tips from like church here, taking a series and listening to it for yourself. Not just the general, oh, uh, uh, Pastor UT was teaching the whole church. Uh, praise God. But Pastor UT is teaching me. Pastor Diary is teaching me. Okay, not just teaching the whole church now. I'm taking, I'm looking at the word for myself. Okay, I'm looking at the, the villages, the things where there's obstacles, uh, unbelief and, and doubt, and looking at them. Looking at the scriptures for myself in the area of marriage and relationship. Looking at it for myself. What it will do, it will dissolve doubts. It will show, it will explain how sentences, it will dissolve doubt. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. Verse 14. I, I heard of thee, the spirit of the gods. That's, that's how they saw it. Unbelievers say, oh, what, that's unbelievers making a comment. That light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. That comes with teaching. Proper understanding of scriptures will pro- produce light and understanding and wisdom. Okay? So you need to. God is not your problem. God is for you. Satan, you're above him. Other people who are not in line with what God is saying for you, you close your ears to them. That's what Jesus told Jairus to do. And then you spend time on yourself. You work on yourself. 
you work on yourself. Let's 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 kind of let's let's kind of finish up this thing. Stop generalizing the promise of God. They are not just for the community of saints. They are for you. I'm saying that again. The promise of God is not just for everybody. They are for you. They are for you. In Gideon chapter 6, let's look at Gideon 6. Let me, let's run through it. Gideon chapter 6, Gideon verse 1. I, I don't want to, that verse 1 is kind of too loaded. I will have to, Gideon chapter, I said Gideon, George. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. George chapter 6 verse 1. <laughs> oh my God. Ah, okay. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God, of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. I already explained that earlier on, that, you see, God is your father. In the Old Testament, they will blame God. So when they did wrong, the wages of sin is death. When they blame God, when they do wrong, they think it's God giving themselves Satan. No, it's their evil, their sin, that put them in the hands of Satan. Okay, that's why Satan dealt with them. So instead of you, if you do wrong, 1 John 1, 9, don't waste your time. Lord, I messed up. Lord, I sinned. Lord, I, I, you know, confess your faults to God and receive your mercy and walk on free. Amen. Stop the process because every time you sin or I sin, there's a process that Satan, Satan has found a loophole. So he wants to come in. That's what sin does. Sin gives Satan an, an entry point to come in. So if I, if I acknowledge that shortcoming, I receive the mercy of God. It plugs it immediately and that process will not continue. Like I give you an example. If you open your door, when, when a symptom slaps, it's a symptom. You open your door fully, it will come. But if it slaps you on the face, you close the door quickly, you stop the process. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just being practical with this. Let's keep going. I don't want to stay on that verse. I could stay there longer. I don't want to stay there. A medium prevailed against them. Keep going. Keep going. So it was, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> keep going. Okay, good. Now, keep going. Next verse. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to work with time. Keep going. Next verse. Okay. Keep going. Next verse. <laughs> okay, good. Now, hear, hear this. Now, it says, an angel of the Lord came under, uh, under an oak, which is an offering that pertained unto Joash, Abizra, and his son, Gideon, threshed away by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So, here's Gideon, a young man who is doing work in the farm and is afraid of the Midianites. Of course, they were going through all that. Okay. Now, look at what happened when the angel came. Angels don't just come to come and visit you. Just come and say, oh, we are here. Let's hang up. Let's do Netflix and chill. Angels don't come for that. They come to do some work, okay? Now, what the angel said, the angel said to him and said, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. That's what the angel said. Listen, God is saying to you, I am for you. That's what he said. The Lord is with thee. Hear what Gideon said. Hear what we say. Go on. Gideon said, if the Lord is for me, if the Lord is with us. Not what I said. The angel said, the Lord is with thee. You. He said, if the Lord is with us, why all this has happened? That's what we say. It's the will of God. Coronavirus. It's the will of God. God is saying God is for you. You have been saying, if God is with us, he's generalizing the promise of God. Okay? Look at the next verse. See what the angel said. The Lord answered and said to him, go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of Midianites, have I not sent thee? So God is not interested in your whining and complaining. In your grumbling and saying, oh, if the Lord be with us. No, God is saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm for you. Okay, so it's about him, not about us. Look at the next verse. And he said unto him, oh Lord, wherewith shall... No, no, go to one... Okay, yeah, yeah, thank you. Stay right there. Wherewith shall I save Israel? He's now getting it. But guess what he said? He still wants to make excuse about me. 
God was saying, it's not just about us. It's about you. It's about you. The obstacle that stops God is you. It's you. God is for you. Satan is not a, he cannot stop you. You can close your eyes to other people. The factor, the factor of success is you. You can choose to listen to God, listen to Satan, other people. It's you. Where we shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor. He now goes back. He was complaining about other people. Now it's now about, he first said about the community. Okay? He now talked about his family and himself. Look what it says there. My family is poor. I'm the least in my father's house. Listen to me. For you to receive the message of prosperity and walk in it, you've got to go above your father's house. Your natural circumstance. God's blessing, God's promise on your life is not based on your family background, your natural family. You are in Christ now. God is with you now. God is for you now. You are in a new family. The Bible says you have been regenerated. Regenerated means you've taken from one generation into another. That's why I tell people clearly, you are under no generational cause. Titus 2, you have been regenerated. You are now in a Christ generation. You are now in the family of God. If any man be in Christ, hallelujah, you are a member of the household of faith. You are now in the family of God. In that family, there is no poverty there. So you need to deal with that. I need to deal with that myself. We all need to deal with that, that I'm free from poverty. The poverty of my family. I'm free from it because I'm now in the family of God. Hallelujah. If naturally speaking, you woke up and your name was called Dangote, will you be thinking about poverty? No, I mean, naturally, I just woke up. One, a child is born, a child is called whatever, Dangote. And not just, not just a nickname. I mean, the real Dangote now. That person will never think about poverty. Listen to me. The greater than Dangote is in you. I, you are in the family of the, who is greater, greater, greater. Until you wake up to that reality. Until we wake up to it, we'll stay in the poverty of our father's family. The angel was trying to get him, get out of father's family mindset. Okay, and he said, I'm the least in my father's house. Not only is my family poor, me too, myself, me, myself, I'm poor. Look at the next verse. Look at what God said. <laughs> Surely, I will, be, <laughs> I will be with thee. Thou shalt smite Israel as one man. I don't need your family. I need only you. That's what he said there. Look how he said there. You will smite Israel. Only you. I don't need your family. Only you. Only stop focusing on your uncle who is in Japan. Or your sister who is in uh, Korea. Or in uh, London. Thank God if, you, if God is there to bless you. Amen. But don't focus on them. It's you and God. Go to your villages. Go into your life. Where are the obstacles? Start dealing with them with the word of God. Okay. The Bible says in Matthew 16, Mark 16, sorry, at the end, that they went about preaching the word of God and God walking with them and confirming his word with signs following. If you and I can walk the word for ourselves, God will confirm the signs following. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Joshua won it and we're done. Joshua won it and we're done. Joshua won it and we're done. Let's move the obstacles. Joshua won it and we're done. If you and I can just take that word and we preach it to ourselves, okay, if you look at Mark 16, last verse, tells you that they went preaching and says God walking with them, confirming the word. If you and I can take the word on prosperity, on marital, on marriage, whatever it is that you want, you're dealing with in your life, I'm dealing with, if we can take the word of God and look at it for ourselves and preach it to ourselves and believe it to ourselves, teach it to ourselves, God will confirm it with signs following. Look how it says, in, this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, not from my mouth, not from the pastor's mouth, not from the community mouth, from your mouth, you meditate on the day and night. 
that you yourself may observe to do all that is written therein. When you meditate on the word of God, listen, okay, let's, let's break this down. When you meditate, the word meditate, of course, means to, to think about something, to think about it and to speak it multi to yourself, to think about it, to think about it. And in thinking, you're applying it. I'm thinking about prosperity in the area of my business, in the area of my job, in the area of my children. See, that's meditation. I'm not just thinking third John 2. I want you to prosper and be in health. I'm actually applying it as I'm thinking about it. What does that mean to my business? What does the prosperity mean to my business? I begin to think about it. That's meditation. Okay, look how it says that that thou mayest observe. Let's pause there. Meditation changes how you see things. The more I meditate on God's word, the more I personally, I see the way God sees it. That's what he says. Oh, I see now. That's what happens when you meditate. You begin to see what God's word says. You see, it's observed to do according to what that's written therein. It says that for then, you, 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 not, not the pastor, you make your way prosperous and have good success. So if I'm not focused on the word of God, if you're not focused, I can lay hands on you from now till kingdom come, you, this will not work. You might get a little bit of mercy drops here and there, but the fullness, the mighty work, it takes going to the villages. It takes going well, house to house. That's what, and that way to look at villages. My house, my house. It goes, takes going into my house. I'm working on things in my house. Working on things in my house. Amen? And as we do this, look at Mark 16, the last verse. And I'm closing with that. I'm going to close with that. Mark 16, the last verse. The very last verse. I, I, glory to God. Glory to God. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. No matter what happens, no matter what is happening, don't fall into the trap of saying, God is in control. Don't fall into that trap. He has given you the keys. He has given you the keys. If I give you keys to a car and you start walking from here to, to Ojo Elegba, don't blame me or your parents rather. Let me not say me because your parents give you keys to the car. Oh yeah, take the key. And you are walking from here to Koyi and someone sees you on the highway sweating and suffering. What's happening? Where are your parents? Ah, they don't like me. They, 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 they. And your parents, your father happens to say, ah, Aaron, you is a liar. I gave him keys, oh. He's the one not using it. That's the story. That's the story. God has given you keys. Don't blame God. Don't blame him. You might not understand what happened. Don't blame God. He has given you keys. So what should, I, what should, I, what, what should it make me do? Go and study more. Go and understand more. What happened? What happened? If you study, believe you me, God will show you exactly what happened. You will see where you drop your keys that allows Satan to come in. You will see where. You will see where you drop it and allow Satan to come in. Sometimes your mouth. Ah, this headache will kill me. We said those things, though. Ah, hey, this thing. People say things. We say some things and we say it, we say it idly. When you say it, Satan now uses that to come in. You just said in Matthew 12, eh, every idle word. You'll be judged. He says, with your words, you'll be condemned. With your words, you'll be justified. Your idle words are not words you talk seriously. I confess, I believe, I'm the head and not the tail. Those are not idle words. Idle words when they are talking casually. Casually. You know, I, casually, just casual conversation. Ah, now, wow, things are so hard. This Christmas, I don't know if I can afford to buy anything for my children. No. Ca- you know, casually. This happens to say casually. That my husband said, that man, uh, that my wife said, the casual words we say, casually. 
In Nigeria, we use the word kill. This thing will kill me. That one will kill. And then you start the process. It might not kill you today, but you have injected the process of death in. When the person now dies, much, just, ah, he was such a good man. Eh, he was a good man, that's true. Does not mean Satan cannot, his words. Hmm. They went forth preaching everywhere. Preach yourself. Preach your finances. Preach your health. Everywhere. The Lord will walk with you and confirm with signs following. I'm going to say this and I'm dropping the mic. Oh, Lord. Listen very carefully. Oh, Lord, help me. Listen very carefully. Please listen. This, listen. The Bible says Job was a righteous man. Okay? But Satan still came and afflicted Job. Being righteous or holy does not mean automatically the blessing of God that going to manifest in your life. So you find somebody who was righteous or holy and they die prematurely. Ah, God, ah, she was such a nice man, such a nice woman. They were very holy, but then they are suffering. Remember the prophet, the woman came and said to the prophet, prophet, my husband served you. My children are now in debt. They're about to be sold to slavery. My husband, a prophet, served you and served God. Job was a righteous man. Righteous. That means he was not sleeping around. He was not doing anything bad, quote-unquote. Of course, he was not perfect. Yet, Satan came. In this world, the thief cometh. You must learn to deal with him. You must learn to deal with him. I'm not saying live anyhow. But don't think your righteousness, quote-unquote, is going to stop Satan from coming. Are you hearing me? He cometh. You must learn to buy whatever you bind on earth. If that headache comes, don't just say, it's not a headache. Take authority over it like it's cancer. Because many times, cancer does not start with cancer. It starts with headache. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of ache here. Uh-uh, it's not accepted. Not accepted. Not accepted. But pastor, I'm feeling it already. He said, I will take away sickness from the midst of you. That means if the sickness has started, it would not continue. We read that scripture. We always say, oh, it means the midst of you corporate. No, it's individual. The sickness has entered my body. He said it would, it would bless my bread and water and take a sickness from the midst of me. From inside me. The doctor says it's the kidney, it's the lung. Ah, that's what you say. I believe the power of the Lord. He takes away sickness from inside me. Takes it away. 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 Father, let's turn up to our feet. I don't know how much has blessed you. I don't know how it has blessed you. Talk to God. Thank him for his word. Talk to God. Take some time. Thank him for his word. Thank him. Thank him. When somebody gives you a gift, you say thank you. If this message has been a blessing to you, thank him for speaking to you. Thank him. I trust he has answered some questions. I trust he has added some level of understanding, some clarity on some things. I trust that some things you've been hearing in church are making sense now. Everything's now, hey, okay, I see, I see. I trust that. So thank him for the word. Thank him for the word. If you've been blaming God before, repent. Lord, I'm sorry. I blamed you for the death of this. I blamed you for that happening. I blamed for that happening. Lord, I repent. I'm sorry for blaming you. I'm sorry for, you know, te- for, call, for saying you are doing what Satan did. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you come down, I have life. So that thing that happened, I blamed you for, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I repent. I repent. Everywhere I've spoken badly about myself, I repent. Every word I've spoken against my, my spouse, my children. I'm it's very, it's a blockhead. 
That child is a blockhead. That's, those words, I repent. I repent. That child is very stubborn. That child, I repent. Those words, we have said them casually. Sometimes in our frustration, in, sometimes in our pain, in our pain, Lord, I repent. I repent. I refuse to be an obstacle. I line up with your word. I line up with your will. I line up with your goodness. You are good and your mercy endure forever. I line up with your goodness. I line up with your goodness, oh God. You are for me. I am for myself too. <laughs> if the Lord be for us or when the Lord is for us, he's for me. So I, I am for me also because the Lord is for me. I agree with you. I take my key and I close the door on sickness and disease. Come on, pray. I take my key and close down poverty and shame. I take my key and close down husbandlessness and wifelessness. I take my key over and, and close down childlessness. I open the door to a husband. I open the door to a wife. I open the door to a child. I open the door to a new business. I open the door to growing business. I open the door to thriving in all that I lay my hands upon. I open my door with my keys now. I open my door with my keys now. Yes, I'm the authority. I open my door. I open my door to every blessing of God. The keys are in my hand. I open my door. I remove every obstacle. I open my door. I declare it is well with me, with my children, with my spouse, with my generations, as well with my business. Things are getting better. Doesn't matter what it looks like right now. Hallelujah. Hey, the process of prosperity is working. It's working. Not everything is going to be a miracle. Not everything is going to be a shazam. It will happen like that. Not everything will happen that way. You start the process. I start the process. I started with my mouth. My business is getting better. This week we'll do more. We'll do more. We'll do more. We'll sell more. We'll thrive more. Open your mouth and say it. Open your mouth and declare it. Thank you, Father. Lord, we give you praise. Holy Spirit, thank you because you are a helper. You are a strengthener. You are a helper. You are a strengthener. We prosper and thrive in the land because you are with us. God bless you. Lift up your hands and just give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise wherever you are. Give him thanks. Thank God for his word. Hallelujah. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. Take him in as his word. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord Jesus.